The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Hello there, and uh, welcome back to Game Changers, the home of hockey. Uh, it's been a minute since we've joined you on the show. A few things had to happen. Obviously, we had a great uh, holiday Christmas celebration after the Winter Championship. I had to redo my uh, studio. We had to up uh, the level of this show. And 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 the third thing, we had to finally negotiate with uh, the, the new host of this show that will be joining me each and every week. And, of course, that is the president of 4 Vengeance Media, uh, Brandon Ewan Chesh. And, uh, hey, man, it's uh, so fun to, to have you uh, on this show. We're going to be doing this together as we go. It was a nice little break that we had. And then all heck broke loose and... and and we're back here now, but uh, have you caught your breath uh, since the Winter Championship? Uh, we were busy right up to then, and then we've been busy since. Yeah, I think so. First off, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's going to be lots of fun to do this with you each and every week now, especially when we do unveil that new studio at Silent Ice Center. One day, uh, it is coming, but uh, this is obviously sufficient for now. Your studio looks fantastic, by the way. I got to decorate these walls with something that's <laughs> a little naked behind me. Uh, winter championships were a blast, uh, you bet. And then we chatted uh, as well during the uh, Black Falls game a couple days later. And then the Christmas break was fantastic. Uh, but we get back into it here, and it doesn't take long for everything to kind of hit the fan. Uh, when it comes to the AJHL, the Spruce Grove Saints, even the JPHL to some degree, we're, we're going to get right into it today for sure. And I think a lot of people have been dying to hear us talk about it. So I'm glad we get to do it today on the show. Yeah, and we're going to hear from uh, some other people other than us. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, Jason Greger of 1440 Sports, uh, obviously a former uh, co-worker of mine at TSN 1260, uh, who has zero skin uh, in the game. Uh, and he basically gave his thoughts on what he thought was good and bad and, and you know, right down the middle. Uh, very interesting conversation from a guy who reached out to both sides in this situation. And we're also going to hear uh, from a couple of guys from Edmonton Sports Talk. We're we're bringing the medias together here on this show, but Tom Gazzola and Sean Bell uh, from Hello Hockey will enlighten you on what was maybe some people consider backlash, a second step, but the JPHL being impacted in that. So we'll bring you those conversations from different sides of the media scene uh, that uh, obviously this is a, a captivating story since I was in Manitoba visiting some family when this all went down and you know went and visited with the weekend coaching staff before the game. They were talking about it. This has really gripped the hockey world right now. So I think it's important that we bring you some of that discussion and, and some, some you know answers uh, from what we can give you. 
Yeah, we'll go through the top five sports stories here momentarily, and that'll be one of them. We'll take it through the timeline of events as to what happened from January 20th all the way up to basically today. And then, like Dean said, because of the legal nature of us directly working for the Spruce Grove Saints and being involved, we'll leave our opinions aside for now. There will be a day where we, where we can voice them, but we'll let the quote-unquote experts, but more importantly, the third parties in Jason Greger, Sean Bell, and Tom Gazzola give us their thoughts on the entire situation from top to bottom. And they do look at both sides and they ultimately side with one at the end of the day, but it's a really good educational tool for a lot of people to listen to those three people and big media guys in the Edmonton area take you through what they think was right and wrong in the whole process. Well, let's get into it. You teased it. Uh, we're going to bring you our uh, top five stories uh, in hockey each and every week. Sometimes this might be a top five list. We'll change it up. Uh, a lot of times it just might be about goaltenders that we love because we're both uh, former pipe men and we still don the pads every once in a while. But a lot of stuff to sift through, uh, certainly in the hockey world. And, and junior hockey in Alberta and BC, not the only one in the news this week. This is a, a story that pains me. The Yorkton Terry of the SJHL in financial trouble. Uh, the club's president said they are in financial, the situation is dire, the financial situation. And for me, this hits uh, uh, fairly close to home. I you know, grew up in, in Manitoba and often every summer we would go to Yorkton for uh, the International Goaltending School. It was one of the uh, few uh programs out there that uh that actually had a uh, a goaltending school so this is weird because uh this is junior hockey in the heart of saskatchewan right along the border and it pains me to see that these teams are having trouble ed sawatsky of the lethbridge united in the jphl holds several yorkton records but i i, I think we're we're kind of seeing a shift in junior hockey in this in this country and what regions can afford the top hockey and you know maybe this is part of something larger Brandon I'm not sure I just know that this is a tough story to see because we know how important hockey can be to some of these small communities yeah it hurts to read the headline for sure uh, and, and you said it. I mean, these small teams and these markets bring a sense of community and pride. It's the Friday night out you know, distracting yourself from everything else. You get to go to a Terriers game. Uh, it hits close to home for all of us here, I think. Uh, the GM of the Spruce Grove Saints, Rob Sklarouk, was a storied Terrier. Uh, he grew up in the Saskatchewan area. His son, Tanner, spent time with Yorkton before now going on to Red Deer College. We just acquired a guy from Yorkton a couple months ago um, in Dylan Ruptash, who came directly out of the Terriers program. And you mentioned the president, Mr. Neufeld. He talked about attendance and it's slipping a little bit where they're averaging right now 650 a game. He'd like to see them get back up to 1,000, but he even said 1,100 would allow them to break even. So I hope in the sake where I don't love to ask people for money by any stretch of the imagination, but I hope for their sake they can find the financial backing they need to at least finish this season, then reset, reload, and reevaluate for hopefully next year. I mean, it's a team that's won several Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League titles. Mm -hmm. They won an RBC Cup back in 2014. It's a very good franchise, like you talked about off the top. So what do you think the game plan is to get this team back on track, at least for this year and then hopefully for next year as well? 
Yeah, it's it's almost like it's it's weird to say, and it almost sounds like a joke, but it's like a bottle drive, right? Everybody's going to kind of yep. pitch in to help out, and and I know. Listen, this is not an easy time. We have had you know years of struggle in the economy. It's not going to be a great one for farmers. So this is a really tough time. Uh, look at the Winnipeg Jets. They're one of the top teams in the league, and their attendance is terrible. Like across the prairies, it is tough right now. Um, this is going to have to be uh, like I, I think this is going to have to be a corporate bailout. I think there's going to have to be some big businesses in Saskatchewan. And if we're seeing it in Yorkton, I'm afraid we might be seeing it in other small centers across Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Who knows? I, I almost think that this is going to have to be some corporations and some companies digging in here because I'm not sure how much more people have to give. The first thing that goes, are you going to eat? Or are you going to go to entertainment? Well, it's obviously entertainment. So it's a terrible story, uh, uh, you know, for a, for a community that, you know, has that, you said, Friday night draw. So I, I hope something can, can pop up and help them. I would hate to see them have to fold up. Nobody wants to stop playing halfway through the season, right? No league wants to have teams stop playing halfway through the season, especially for financial reasons. So let's hope that there is uh, a uh, some good news on the way there. I mean, listen. We only have to look back at early in the season for a dire situation for our next story that has turned out great. So maybe there's hope for the Terriers <laughs> like there was hope for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they went from 27th in the league on December 20th to 10th in the league on January 30th. They did not lose a game during the entire month of January and uh, it's it's crazy. People are talking. Is Stuart Skinner a top five goalie? It, and the the roller coaster for Oilers fans. Last year he's up for Rookie of the Year. Terrible playoffs. They start off awful. Then they're on this heater. I mean, this is a wild ride for Copper and Blue fans right now, isn't it? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Um, I, I maybe allude to this Bruce Grove Saints organization a little bit too, where. The Oilers weren't getting the bounces that they deserved earlier in the season, and the Saints weren't either. The only difference is the Oilers have completely turned things around to a 180. The Saints, not quite yet. Do you credit the new coach? Maybe a little bit. But where I really feel the Oilers turned it around is in years past, especially, it was always the Connor Leon show. And I'm not going to take anything away from Connor or Leon. They're both fantastic players. But the secondary scoring now that the Edmonton Oilers are getting, you look at guys like Ryan McLeod. He's been fantastic. Warren Fogle, I mean, he's got five points in his last three games. And then you mentioned the rookie goalie and Stuart Skinner, and everybody was on the Dustin Shorts uh, hate train, I guess you could call yeah. it. When when Jack Campbell got set down, and Dustin Shorts, of course, the former goalie coach of the Spruce Grove Saints, way back uh, about a decade ago now, just a little bit longer. But he's done a great job with Stu so far. I mean, you look at Stu's numbers. He's 23-9 and nine now. He's got a 2.4 full goals against and a 9-10 save percentage, but his confidence is oozing. I think he's the most confident he's ever been. There's even a quote here from Connor McDavid that Mark Spector picked up, and he said, we've adopted a different system than we're used to, and we're getting comfortable with it. He said, in addition to the defensive zone, there is less chaos. It's calmer in the neutral zone. Our defense is performing exceptionally well. He said not one of them, but all six of them. So maybe that's a big part of it as well when you're looking at the success of Stuart Skinner and keeping the puck out of your own net. But in combination with the secondary scoring and the great defense they've had all the way down to the goaltending, I think that's the biggest turnaround. 
And he does cite there a little bit of a different structure. So maybe that is on the coaching too. Yeah, and, and Chris Knobloch uh, coming in. Anytime you make a coaching change, you're, there's usually a, a bit of a bump. But I look at this team and I think, wow, maybe this is just evolution. And maybe the the standards that everybody, including myself, like I said, this team was Stanley Cup or bust this year. Uh, you know, you at least had to get to the finals. Maybe those expectations weighed down a little bit. They, you know, got rid of some stuff that they needed to get rid of as far as making a change. Uh, not that the coach was the biggest problem because it was the same system as last year. I think it's just a, a different outlook, a different message, whatever. Um, hockey players sometimes start putting their skates on a different way to change things up. Athletes in general are superstitious. I don't know what it is but this is the team i expected to see and i wonder if there is just a little bit of evolution okay offense all the time wasn't working knoblock comes in let's convince these guys try it my way it works and boom they're off to the races and you just hope that this team is not peaking in 2023-24 too early as opposed to you know making a run for the playoffs. I mean, there's no way they're going to go the rest of the season without losing a game and there's going to be tough spots, but let's just hope they don't fall off a cliff like they did earlier in this season. And you know, they're, they're in my mind, as good as any team to win a Stanley cup now uh, that they've gotten back on track in the Western conference. Yeah, I agree. I think the maturity is there now to take them all the way to the end. Um, you know, and hey, if they never lose again, fantastic. It would be the best thing ever for sports fans around Edmonton. And you mentioned the Winnipeg fans, not that they're not unbelievable fans, but the pressure here in Edmonton might be just that much more because of maybe the recent missteps or the lack of success or the disappointment in the last couple seasons. But there's nothing else here in Edmonton beyond the Edmonton Oilers. They are the talk of the town. It is an Oilers town. It always has been. It always will be. And that building has been packed. Every single night, uh, I was lucky enough to be in the Sportsnet truck a couple of weeks ago, and just the atmosphere in there, uh, the poor audio guy in the truck, every <laughs> single time something happens, he's on those faders up and down, up and down, or you can't even hear what's going on with the play-by-play. So yeah, maybe pressure a little bit, but in the same breath, I think the fans have helped a lot too. And how about them now clapping for the entire last two minutes of the game mm -hmm. last week, right before the All-Star break, showing their appreciation for the success the team's had. I mean, 16 games in a row with a victory. It's unbelievable. When does it end? Or is it the Shorzy where they never lose again? I guess we'll that's, see. That's incredible. The only thing that could uh, dampen the spirits of Oiler fans this year is if somehow Yessi Pugliarvi gets called up by the Pittsburgh Penguins <laughs> and just clicks with Malkin or Crosby. Like it, we've seen guys just show up in Pittsburgh before and Sydney's like, Hey, you Chris Kunitz, you want to be an Olympic member? Just jump on my coattails and we'll get you there. Like Pugliarvi could, you know, could honestly join that Pittsburgh Penguin team and just fit in flawless. And I hope he does. Like I, I, he was obviously a polarizing player. A lot of fans loved him. He was always great to deal with. So that would be the one thing that might uh, dampen the spirits. Uh, but I think we would all be happy if uh, that particular player was able to make it back. Now, you did mention that this is an Oilers town. I'm going to say this weekend, it's going to be a bit of a, a pew town because we're going to watch a player that we've had a t an opportunity to watch all season. Uh, the, I, I might say not just Langley, but maybe the entire U15 JPHL division powered by Liam Pugh. Look at these numbers on this guy. I mean, 22 games, 45 goals, 29 assists. Did you notice his birth year? He doesn't turn 
14 for a little while. Like this is a 13 year old playing in a U15 division. And oh yeah, when he goes up with the U17 squad, he had a hat trick the other day, 10 goals, six assists in nine games. And we are so lucky to be able to watch this guy. And if you want to watch him this weekend, he'll be at the Silent Ice Center and Morinville Ice Gardens where you're going to see stuff like this. Uh, at 13, he wears 13, and it's just its incredible, Brandon, what we've watched from this youngster. This kid is going to be the poster boy for the Junior Prospects Hockey League for the next decade. He is the Brooks Bandits Kilmacar. He, he is unbelievable. You can go through the list of guys that have brought organizations to where they are today because of exposure. But you mentioned the statistics, and that's one side of it. But I also want to talk about maybe the personal side a little bit. I know he's had a little bit of issues, and not issues by himself at all, but maybe pressure to go a different way. The fact that he stuck with the JPHL, stuck with the values of the Junior Prospects Hockey League, just emphasizes how much of a great kid he is. I mean, you speak very highly of him, of his family, of his father, who we're hoping to get on the show here and sometime in the short term, which will be excellent. You talked about his points, but I mean, even if you are the Seattle Thunderbirds, um, you probably can't get this guy because he's going to go too high. And hey, that's not a bad thing to have other teams draft players out of the JPHL. But at the same time, if you're Seattle or if you're part of our organization, you love him in a Seattle Thunderbird jersey uh, in the future here when his draft year does come around. But my goodness, this kid is unbelievable. You talked about the stats. Not only is he lighting things up in the U15 category, but the fact that he stepped right into U17 and almost didn't miss a beat, that's two years older. And you look at his birth year, it's three years older. What happens if he got called up to the U18 level? Would he still be as successful as he is right now? I guess we'll find out one day when he does play in a Western League team uh, at a younger age. But yeah, come check him out this weekend at the Silent Ice Center. If you can't watch him in person, watch him online at silenicetv.com or just watch these epic highlight reels that 11 Creative put together for us where he does stuff like that, not once in a while, not once a month, but every single time he's on the ice. I cannot wait to cover this guy more as it gets down to it here towards the end of the season and the playoffs come around and we get to do some more features and pregames and special kind of spotlights on him. But uh, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it right off the top. This guy is unbelievable, and I cannot wait to see what the future holds for him and his family. You know, I, this is why I think he's going number one. He's got the size. You can see it right there. He's 13, and he's and he's huge. He obviously has hands. He's a great skater with the terrific acceleration, but he also makes all the players around him better. Like he could individually go around most guys and he does at times when they need it, but he pushes the puck around. He knows, he recognizes the extra attention he's getting and he makes sure that his teammates get better because of him. And and you you nailed it. Uh, like this is a guy who, his older brother plays for Langley and the U18 team just returned Landon, so it's great to see him back. They're obviously different players, but the family element. I mean, Jason, his dad, uh, his mom, Kristen, is, are great people. His, his young cousin, Leo, is the biggest fan of Silent Ice TV. And the JPHL watches all the games from Australia and just a great family. I mean, you know, they, they, 
don't talk a lot about hockey away from the rink. They really spend family time together. And this is just a, a young kid that is going to wow people. He's not Connor Bedard, so he's not getting exceptional status. But I think he is going to be, uh, in, in my opinion, I think he's going to be uh, the, the first overall pick next year, which is which is wild because he'll be again be playing in the U15 because the JPHL likes to keep those guys in their draft years. But he will be playing up. And we might see him in the yep. U18s this year at some point. Who knows, right? Like, you just, you just yep. don't know. And and the way the JPHL does their playoffs, you know, he might get called up at, at some point as well. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him and, and watching him again and throughout the years. And you know, I know scouts are already, like, I've had scouts say that if he was available this year, he'd be a first-round pick. So it tells you how special he is uh, as a player. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And on the topic of the Western Hockey League, too, he has the choice still. Yes. He could go to BC. He could go to the Western Hockey League. It's all dependent on what development path he wants to take. And that'll bring us into our next point momentarily. But maybe he just wants to stay at home and go to his backyard and play for the Langley Riverman. You, you really don't know. And in that case, I mean, selfishly, then we get to watch him even more. Wow. But uh, Liam, on that note, is a Western Hockey League player. He can fast track his way, so to speak, up to the professional ranks. And whatever path he chooses, all the talent and best of luck to him. I'm sure he's going to do a fantastic job. And it's just been so cool for us to be a small part of his development path from where he was a couple of years ago, where the JPHL did not exist to where he is today. Yeah. And I hope that the job that we've done and the job that our social media team has done has elevated his development as well. And in turn exposed him to some scouts or to some people that would like to see him excel, but most importantly, mature him as an athlete, as a student. And, uh, watch his path as he grows up to the next level. So super cool just to be a small part of it. Yeah, there's no doubt. There's no player that's ever going to probably have a better uh, draft profile video uh, than Liam Pugh <laughs> with the amount of highlights and and the great stuff from 11 and, and obviously for Vengeance. All right, so our, that's the, the top three stories that we're getting into. Uh, we'll get back into junior hockey here. This is obviously one that hits close to home. You are the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. They are one of these uh, teams that had their games called off. So this is a little bit of a timeline that, that we're going to take you through. And things started out with a social media leak on January 19th. And then, Brandon, I'll let you sort of pick things up uh, from there, starting with uh, January 20th and this press release that came out from the BCHL. Yeah, you started it. You're right. The leak, if you will, on social media where the public domain was flooded with rumors that Brooks, Okotoks, Blackfalds, Sherwood Park, and Spruce Grove were leaving the AJHL to go play in the BCHL for the next season. And then on January 20th, you see it here, the BCHL posted this release, effectively confirming the rumors for next season, 2024-2025. But then later on that same evening, this was a Saturday night, there were games scheduled between teams that were leaving and teams that were not leaving, and those games got canceled. Now, interestingly enough, the games between the teams that were leaving and the teams that were not leaving all still got to play. It was only games involving one side versus the other, the leaving versus the non-leaving. So the Saints that night still got to play their game against Okotoks under the full AJHL backing and infrastructure. But there were games, like you see on the screen, where Drayton Valley had to go to Brooks. They didn't play. Olds was going to Blackfalls. They did not play. And then the day later, Spruce Grove was supposed to be in Calgary, naturally, because they were already down south. That game got canceled, and so did White Court's trip 
to Brooks. And the story doesn't stop there. There was another statement put out by the AJHL just a couple days after that, effectively canceling some more games later on, which would, would have been last week. The Saints, they had a home game, excuse me, they had a road game in Lloydminster. They also had a road game in Bonneville, which would have been two days after the Lloydminster game. Both of those got canceled. And then Spruce Grove obviously canceling their home game uh, last weekend, replacing that with a three-on-three showdown, which was Lots of fun, I think, for us up in the booth. Uh, more of a laid-back, light atmosphere for sure, but just good on on even our side to get the production personnel back in one room and kind of have some conversations and explain what's going on. And just a feel-good day to get to come to the rink and watch some hockey do our jobs. Um, and even for the kids who got to come out, and I think there was three or 400 people in attendance. Um, some came for the game, but I think more came for the skate with the Saints afterwards, which was lots of fun to see the kids go out and engage with our players. Um, the Spruce Grove Saints also uh, last weekend heading out to Sakers Acres to support the world's longest hockey game. They donated uh, $5,000 to uh, the cause and the Cure Cancer Society. Um, what, what a game that was again uh, for those kids out there at Sakers Acres. And we were proud to just be a small part of the support group that cheered them on and ultimately kept them going. Uh, through the days, through the nights, as they played the kids' version of the world's longest hockey game. But then this comes out as well. Um, and, and this statement on January 25th, I believe, um, from the AJHL in the morning. And you could take the time to read it, uh, but effectively saying that they reviewed the announcement from BC that five teams have decided in the middle of the season to leave the AJHL and play unsanctioned hockey again beginning next season. Um, so they jump through what their steps are to protect the competitive integrity of the AJ, the CJHL, Hockey Alberta, Hockey Canada. Um, at the end of the day, they were disappointed and they were not going to allow the non-leaving teams to play games against the leaving teams. So as a result, the five, I'm going to go air quote, defecting teams, then put out their own statement later on, on the January 25th evening, um, we just basically said that we're all in good standing with the Alberta Junior Hockey League. We have not entered into an agreement to leave any of the organizations, nor have made an announcement to do that in this season. But at the same time, we have the full intention of fulfilling the commitments to all of those bodies for the rest of this year. And we do not agree that the game should be canceled. And then ultimately, and, and you would attest to this too, Dean, you really feel for the players and all mm -hmm. this and guys that maybe had to go through the COVID situation too. And you now got 20 year olds that, you know, they woke up the next day and saw that games are getting canceled and they're texting with their friends on teams that are leaving and teams that aren't leaving and nobody knows what's going on. And your <laughs> mind automatically goes to the worst case scenario. Am I going to play again this year? And yeah. that's the worst feeling for a hockey player. And families too, right? Am I going to be able to watch my yep. son play a final game? Have I already watched my son play his final game of junior? So a lot of uh, unanswered questions, uh, unfortunately. And and after the the five team joint statement, uh, the the AJHL asked and raised some more questions uh, with their own statement. But that that's the thing is that have I played my last game? Have I watched my son or my daughter or my brother? whatever play their last game there's there's a lot of fear right now about what's happening to a lot of young kids lives yeah there is and then the AJHL a day later this is on January 26th uh, raised this statement as they seek some clarity on what they called conflicting statements um, at the end of the day 
neither of those five teams made a statement saying that they were leaving the Alberta Junior Hockey League or any of the bodies that govern it in the current season. Uh, each of those five teams had the full intention of playing out the rest of this season, uh, competing for a Centennial Cup all the way to the end of it. Um, next season, obviously, could be a different story, but the basis of this was to let the kids play the rest of this season, and if these teams decided to go a different direction in the summertime or the off season, then we'll cross that bridge when it arises. But there should have been no repercussions for the current season. And for more on that, we're going to head to Jason Greger and Tom Gazzola along with Sean Bell in a moment to get their thoughts on how all this played out. And, and Dean, you're involved with the Saints for sure. You've been wonderful on the broadcast when we've had you on. I mean, you filled in in, in my shoes for a couple games as well. But you were in Brandon, Manitoba. You're on your way back. And I know I was kind of keeping you up to date with things that were going on. What did you think of this? Have you seen anything like this in your career? You've been around the sports world for longer than me. You had a show on TSN for nearly a decade. Have you seen this to this extent? I've never seen a league basically cancel a season for a bulk number of teams who were still in good standing. I think the key in all of this is that anything that was going to happen was going to happen next year. Um, and, and Jason Greger is going to point it out that at the end of each season, every team has to let the league know, are you coming back? Yes. Are you coming back? No. None of what may or may not happen was going to take place this year. And honestly, if this didn't leak out on social media, the this wouldn't be a conversation if it is happening and and it's been out there then then the AJHL should probably already know about it but in all of this the the factual thing is that if anything is happening it is not happening this year and i think that was lost sight in all of this is that's why all of these young men and their families have had this disruption because somebody is upset that something is happening in the future and then so the, they're now, and, and we're going to hear from Sean Bell a little bit later about how maybe there's other repercussions for other independent hockey decisions that happen. So I think the key in all of this is that it was next year. If it is happening, whatever does happen will be happening next year. And every one of these five teams had the full intention of playing out this season. None of them wanted yeah, this disruption. Yep. It's silly. Yeah, correct. None of them wanted it for sure. And they all had the full intention of playing out the regular season playoffs and still competing for a, for a Centennial Cup on the national stage. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of leave it there on this story. Um, I hope a solution is coming. I know the powers that be are working on all the sides to try come up with a solution for the kids, for the players over and above everything. So, I mean... I like to hope that maybe we'll hear something here in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks, but it would be really good to get these kids back out playing hockey like they deserve. And the biggest thing too, that, that really doesn't, I, I would say irritate, but frustrates me is when you hear of the three or four kids on the NHL central mm -hmm. scouting list that belong to these teams, most notably Brooks or in our case, there's some NCAA schools circling around a couple of the Spurs Grove Saints players for them not to be able to showcase themselves and not right. be able to play for so many of those reasons, is it hurting their future or their careers as a whole, potentially? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that uh, has to be sorted out. Um, you know, some of it may be sorted out 
legally, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and we'll let Jason Greger and Sean Bell and Tom Gazzola uh, bring you their thoughts in a second. But certainly this next story and, and our top story this week is obviously legal ramifications. And, and we're not going to, obvi- this is before the courts right now, but the story of the last couple of years maybe is the sexual assault charges with, with Hockey Canada. And and Rick Westhead reporting then and commonly reported that five players, uh, Carter Hart, Cal Foote, Dylan Dubé, Alex Formanton, and Michael McLeod are being charged uh, stemming from the 2018 summer event. This is obviously alleged. Um, this the 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 only thing that I think I can add to this. Uh, nobody. This is an awful story. Um, and and it's going to go before the courts, and justice hopefully is served. And this is a. Uh, this is not just a concern for Hockey Canada or hockey in Canada. This is a concern for everybody in sports that this is a wake-up call that unfortunately this sort of stuff has happened uh, in the past and it needs to stop in every single sport. We've went through a really good part of the sport where we have been able to eliminate a lot of hazing and a lot of that other stuff. And people bring up the word hockey culture in a negative way and there is some negative things about it. So for me, I just want justice to be served however that may be and I want this to be a real wake-up call for moms and dads and brothers and sisters that are getting into hockey, that if you see this happening, it, it's 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 garbage. None of this belongs in the sport. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, and you know what? Great strides have been taken, like you said, over the years to eliminate uh, all these things from not only the game of hockey, but just elite sports in general. And beyond the headline, it's tough to assume what's going to happen. Um, obviously these players have now turned themselves into the police in London, Ontario. They'll face the alleged uh, charges. Um, the biggest thing that, that honestly maybe doesn't sit well with myself is how long it took. You know, this happened in June of 2018 is when this was first brought to light. Uh, and again, this is all from Rick Westhead's story. Uh, there's a big press conference on Monday coming up. So we'll see what the London police has to say. Obviously, it's a very high-profile case and a lot of news outlets in the whole world is watching on what's going to happen here. Um, but, you know, the worst thing about this maybe is that it's not going to see a judge until yeah. potentially 2026 because of the backlog of cases in Ontario. And I'm not going to blame the court system at all. They have a lot of work on their hands for sure. But to see it being drug out even longer, you feel for the victims. But at the same time, do you also feel for the players because... The saying is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. What if they are innocent or what if not all, but some are innocent? What does that do for their careers in the interim right now until this thing does go to trial? You know, a couple of those players are RFAs here at the end of the hockey season. If you're a head coach, GM or a president of hockey operations, do you want to touch one of those players? Do you want to put one on your roster? I don't know what the right answer is. I don't know what the moral answer is because you ultimately don't know if they are innocent or they are guilty. So it's a, it's a big story for sure. And I don't really look forward to seeing it playing out, but I do look forward to, like you said, justice being served and ultimately putting it to bed and hopefully educating the future of athletes that this is not happening. And this has no place, not only in the game of hockey, but in sports in general. And what happens when the NHL decides to, if they decide to to weigh in w- with these guys as well? I, I think it's a very good point. I, I really don't like the comments out there that say, 
who cares about the players? They're getting what they deserve. Well, what if they are innocent? We don't know. Yep. Uh, and so that this is uh, impacting a lot of lives, and and the NHL probably still has to uh, sort of weigh in on on it in that situation. So it's an ugly story all over. Um, the the only. Uh, possible uh, good, and I and I say that very lightly, is that maybe this is a wake up call for the rest of the sporting world that this is not to, not to happen anymore. And and you said we've made great strides, we've done great things in sports, uh, but as professional or on their way to professional athletes, uh, these kids sometimes uh, they're they're being told they're so good and they can almost do anything uh, that it that it you know, gets in the head. So we have to do a better job in in that regard with our young kids. We have to talk to them and what's proper and what's right. And unfortunately that's, that's what needs to take place. So there's a few uh, stories that we went through uh, as far as our top five. Uh, Hopefully things get better for the Terriers. Will the Oilers ever lose a game? You can watch Liam Pugh this weekend, the AJHL canceling games and the world junior championship uh, sexual assault. Um, Some, Crazy stories uh, in the news, and we will run through them uh, each and every week. But I think right now we should toss things over to uh, Jason Greger, maybe, and get his thoughts on um, the recent AJHL cancellations. And then later on, we'll hear from Sean Bell and Tom Gazzola. But let's check out Jason Greger, and then you and I can come back after that and uh, recap that a little bit. We have loads and loads of texts to get to. Uh, some of the orders, uh, some of the AJHL, because uh, many of you have uh, friends or family uh, impacted in the in the decision by it. So here's where it stands now. Currently, um, the AJHL made a decision. There was the the BCL sent out a um, a, a small statement uh, last week that uh, there was going to be five teams coming to the BCHL next year. And uh, those five were Brooks and Blackfalls, Okotoks, Shirt Park, and Spruce Grove uh, for the for next season. Now, those current five teams, um, according to the AJHL and everybody, was in good standing with the league prior to this. So this announcement came out, and uh, they decided to cancel any games involving the remaining eleven teams and those five teams. Now, the AJHL put out a statement that it was about safety. So th- with the insinuation being that uh, those five teams, their players could do anything and there would be no retribution uh, long-term and no punishment because playing in the BCHL, um, it's it's a different league, different rules. So it's not under the hockey can umbrella, so they could do whatever they want. Now, the reason that that argument to me, I raise my eyebrows is then every 20-year-old in the AJHL who, guess what, can't play next year, would not have any suspension problems. What's the di- what's the difference? Why are they allowed to play down the stretch or in the playoffs then? If that's your argument, right? Like it seems somewhat of a hollow argument to me because you have twenty year olds every year that, that happens. So, you know that's that's one point. Now here's the other. So I, I did a lot of research today because I was trying to understand because we've had the questions. People say like, is there a benefit to this? It's a really good question. I don't know. So I actually spoke to people on some people who are in the group of 11 and some in the group of five, because to me, I try to get a balanced account of it. And there here has been the issue that the AJHL has um, that doesn't like, and this came from members on both sides. So for the last many years, the AJHL player, if all of a sudden a player in the AJHL decides to just up and leave, They can't leave to another AJHL team 
but they can go to the USHL. And now, of course, in the last few years, they could go to the BCHL. But you used to be able to just literally leave. Say, you know what? And it actually happened this year. Right? Um, I think the most recent was was uh, Oakenfold, like back in early January. His advisor says, you know what? I think it's better for you to leave because the other league's better and we think that'll give you a better chance of a scholarship. Right? So so there was some frustration there. And this goes way back. I actually did some research. Did you know that Matt Benning, after two years, he left the AJHL way back in 2012, went uh, one year in the USHL, then went to college. So it's not like this is just something that's new. This is going back like over a decade. So there's some people in the AJHL that are, you know, they don't like it. You can lose some of your better players for nothing. You don't get any compensation. They're just, you know what? I want to leave. Can't control. So the, uh, and, and if you look at recently in the AJHL, there, the, the teams at the top basically have been Spruce Grove and Brooks. It's kind of what it's been. And so the league has gotten watered down. Now, I have said this for years. I thought there was too, too many teams. That's T-W-O first. Two, too many teams in the Western Hockey League. And I thought the same about the AJHL. Because remember, back in 1996, you know how many teams were in the AJ? 10. Then they started expanding to 11. Then cameras came in 12. And then it kept going. Now it's up to 16. Do you think there's that many more players from 96 till now from the pool that they choose from? Because you can't say, well, look at the NHL. Well, the NHL expands globally, right? The AJHL is not global. So I think it's watered down their league a little bit. And so you have some of the better players in the AJHL were leaving to go play in the USHL because they felt it was better competition. Now, whether that's a good decision or a bad decision, that's just what happened. So that's why I, I know there's a lot of people saying it's about money. I don't th having talked to, to actually an owner from one of the 11 teams that isn't going, he's like, I'm going to be very surprised to see how these teams do because your costs go up. Our costs aren't going down. I think there's a big myth that this is going to be about making more money. How do you make more money in the AJHL when it's not like suddenly you're going to have way more fans? Right? It's not like this move is going to suddenly increase your fan base significantly. You're going to have increased travel costs for sure. Right? That's just a fact. So I, I, I don't really believe the uh, people like to throw up money because it's, it's something that grabs everybody's attention. But then when you dig down into it, I'm like, man, I'm not really sure it's about money. Now, there are a few things about the AJHL. Why I question this decision because to me, it's kind of like they decided to be half pregnant and that never, well, it's physically impossible. So they decide that they're canceling games that involve the 11 teams remaining and the five who are going to leave next year. Those head-to-head -head games we don't want. They use the safety thing as an excuse. I don't really buy it personally, but that's just me. Uh, number two. Then they say, well, out of respect for those players on those five teams, we'll allow any remaining games that were scheduled between them head-to-head -to, -head to play out. Well, that's a total of 16 games between the five teams. And it's actually fewer than that because they're playing each other. Right? Five games left for Brooks, five for Shirt Park, three for Ogatokes, three for Black Falls. And I looked online at the AJHL schedule. Spruce Grove has none against those teams. So it would look like 
their season's over. Their last game was last Friday or Saturday. Yeah, because the Calgary game was canceled, so that'd be last Saturday. In the uh, AJHL, I learned that every May, and not a specific day, but it's in May, when they have their meeting, that's when each team each year declares if they're going to come back the following season. Now, you remember the most recent team that didn't was the Calgary Mustangs. This was four years ago. And they said, okay, you know what? We're taking a leave of absence. They're up. They don't, they're no trouble. But so every year, that's when you declare. Because financially, there, there's not a lot of teams that are like on great financial ground every year. It's, as I've said many times, this is not a lucrative money-making business running a junior A team. You run a junior A team more so because you love hockey. Hey, if, you, if you break even, you're pretty happy. It's just kind of how it works. And so if you had that and you knew that these teams could just say in May, legally by your bylaws, you know what? We're not coming back next year. Okay. Like, I don't really understand what the benefit is for the AJHL to go about it this way. That's all I'm saying. If you say that you don't want to punish the players, then don't punish them. And if you say, you know what? We don't want you to play our 11 teams because we're worried about... You guys taking cheap shots because there's there's no retribution. Then let the five teams play each other. Like, what am I missing? How how would that, you know, you, you have a schedule. Those five teams play kind of like a Nor one division. The other 11 play in theirs. Now, you know what? The 11 teams would be the ones that would battle for the actual AJHL title. The other five could just have their own play-in tournament. Call it whatever you want. Maybe you call it nothing. Right? But if you're going to say that you respect the players and you want them to play, then let them play. That's all I ask. Let them play. Tell me what I'm missing here. It doesn't, um, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense. Right. Like, and, and the other thing was like, there wasn't really any due process involved in this, right? It came out on a social media account from the BCHL and then the AJHL with in conjunction with hockey Canada. And that's probably the time that really irks me the most so here's, think about this for a moment. Now you can be upset that these teams say, hey, we're going to leave next year. But by the wording of their bylaw, they've done nothing wrong by saying they want, and they didn't release the press release. It was the BCHL. Right now, are they part of it? I guess technically in a way, yes, but not officially, no. Either way. So it's a press release people know. Was it that heinous? to act like this compared to how hockey Canada and oh, by the way, hockey Alberta, because there are cases in Alberta of hockey teams with kids getting in trouble in hotel rooms that isn't talked about. They barely crack down on them, but they'll, they will come out hammering this. Think about where our priorities are. So did they damage anyone? Was anybody inflicted? Was there any damage done when this announcement came out physically to anybody? Not that I see. Was there any emotional damage that's long-term traumatic? Because the fans of those teams are still going to have their teams next year. Their teams aren't folding. They're just going to play against different teams. That's it. They're not folding. So you're going to come out and react like this to something where there's actually no physical and emotional damage, but you're a bully, Hockey Canada. 
And it's like, oh, you know what? You can't tell us. You can't do this. So we're going to make you look bad. But hey, by the way, if there's anything that's sexually assault related, let's try to cover it up. Like, seriously, that's where we're at right now. And you wonder why people look and say the hockey culture has got a real problem. Because all you got to do is look at how they acted around this. If anyone can explain to me why this is good. And don't give me the lame argument about, well, there could be something that happened in there. And, and if you wanted to, you could even just say, we're going to finish the play, the regular season. And then the playoffs, you five will go in your pool. The other 11 can go in theirs. Because the playoffs are never guaranteed, by the way. Right? When you pay all your dues, which have been paid, by the way. So are you going to reimburse those dues now? Right? Because if you say you're not hurting the kids, right? Are you going to reimburse that? What's going to happen there? So it's to me, I don't like the optics of how quickly and harshly a decision is made on something like this, where you might not like it. And that's fair. I can understand people don't like change. And I can see some people saying, you know what? I don't think this is good for the game. Maybe we can have a debate on that. We can have a discussion on it for sure. But when you compare it to cover-ups, which one's worse? And which one was handled more swiftly and more severely? How's that? Doesn't make sense to me at all. All right, uh, Jason Greger, former uh, colleague of mine and uh, obviously a, a huge supporter of uh, not just junior hockey, but junior sports uh, in this uh, city, in the community, a longtime supporter of junior football and a big supporter of junior hockey. And he had some, some really interesting questions and points. The one thing I thought that really stuck out is uh, if it's a safety thing and he brought up the 20 year olds who there's no repercussions for a 20 year old when they're done playing hockey. So I thought that was a, a good point. And, and I think everybody is, is free and should uh, do their own research, listen to different people and, and make your own informed opinion about what is happening. And, and then you can reach out to the powers that be, whether you're on one side or the other. But uh, I think it's important that he went to both sides in that situation and presented both sides case so that everybody can form their own opinion. Yeah, I thought he was wonderful for exactly those reasons. He took the time to talk to both sides and get a well-educated uh, opinion on the situation. I think he presented it well. Um Obviously, I sit here and totally agree that the 20-year-olds, I feel for those guys. I mean, I talked about it off the top. But, you know, guys that might have been uh, part of the COVID shutdowns or those cancellations that are now wrestling with this situation they have on their hands now. But, yeah, Greg's did a great job and happy to have him on, happy to support his show. Um, and, and great to get not a guy that's connected to one side or the other, but a third party that kind of came in with a neutral opinion to lay out what he thought uh, the situation looked like in his eyes. So thanks for uh, joining us, Greg. Appreciate it. And thanks for uh, letting us use that clip as well on the same social media earlier this week. Yeah, and, and listen, if you're on one side, you're going to think, oh, he's doing this for the other side. But but I can tell you, uh, in whether you believe me or not, uh, Jason Greger is a person that is, he's going to look at this from one side, and he's going to talk to the other side. Every time I have ever worked for him, that's what he did. You may not agree with his opinion, or you may think he's slanting one way or the other, but he is going to get both sides of an argument. Uh, that is the, the, the one thing. I didn't always agree with him, and, and that's what made great radio at some point, but uh, the fact that he does go to both sides, I think, was really important. And then 
Now we're going to hear from Sean Bell and Tom Gazzola. A little bit of a different uh, situation because this is something that directly affected Sean Bell and a whole lot of other players. So you're ready to hear from Sean Bell and Tom Gazzola about the repercussions possibly of what happened with the uh, Hockey Canada situation. Let's check in with Belzy and Tom Gazzola from Hello Hockey on Edmonton's Sports Talk. You mentioned that you were supposed to be in Detroit right now. Correct. Three teams, 60 kids, families, not cheap, I'm assuming, probably pushing towards... Well, let's call it 2800 a kid. So that's getting close to, what, a quarter of a million dollars? In- it's like about 200000 with all the okay. kids that were, were coming. Yeah. Okay, so a fifth. Okay. So... what What's going on? So Monday, we're, we have a, an ice, a skate with... Uh, you know, a bunch of the silent ice employees and all that kind of stuff. It yep. was, you know, it's a really fun skate to get out there, get some exercise, be able to mingle, talk to people. And we do that. All of a sudden we're, we're sitting there having lunch and we get this email that says emergency meeting. Okay. Interesting. So we go home, get online. So that the coaches from, from the three teams get on. Um, we're not going to be able to go. So oh. How long was this trip in the works for? It was in the works for at least two months. Okay. So turns into, oh, we're not able to go. Interesting. Why is that? Isn't it an independent tournament? Yeah, it's an independent tournament. Because you guys are an independent league. We're for an independent those league. Know, it's not a Hockey Canada 100%. sanctioned league. The JPHL is independent. Yes. So we're an unsanctioned league going to a tournament that is more or less an independent unsanctioned tournament. It has been running for at least five years called the Detroit top 20. We go, we have our, our schedule against all the different teams. Our kids are super excited. Families are excited because now there's some other competition. Get out to see how you really stack up against all these groups. It's an amazing opportunity for 60 kids. Mm-hmm. So then we don't get to go. Well, why don't we get to go? Well, Hockey Canada decided to call Hockey USA and basically bully them into denying us from entering that tournament to the point where if you allow those kids to play, and this was the statement, and we have emails, and if people don't want to believe that, we have emails, and I'm willing to post them, that you will be sanctioned and you are not allowed to play for the rest of the year. This is so the if, American if, program. If any, yeah. If any American program plays against the JPHL All-Stars, you will not be allowed to play for the rest of the year. Now, Hockey Canada can't make them do that. It's, Correct. We're talking about USA Hockey yes. here. So they called USA Hockey. Hockey Canada did. Hockey Canada did. USA Hockey then went and talked to, you know, the Michigan Hockey Association, and then this is what they did. So they stopped 60 kids from coming. My first question is, well, how does Hockey Canada have jurisdiction in the States? I'm wondering the same thing right now. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out too. Why is this even on Hockey Canada's radar? Why do they care about an unsanctioned independent league? I, I don't know. How do you guys get this information too? I, you, you mentioned the emails, but like, you can't just say it without there being some well, proof. 
Yeah, the organizer happened to be a former D partner of mine. There you go. So he's he's pissed off about it. What if he, your former D partner that you played pro with, said, "I'm I'm an independent league too." Oh, he take, did take off. He did, and, and they won. said, "Yeah, you're going to have to sanction this tournament." Why? Because the JPHL All Stars are coming down, and so you're going to have to do this. It's never. It's he's been running it for five years as an independent as an independent tournament. The London Knights are going down there. They're coached by Danny Savret. They're going. So it's very odd that there's two at two Canadian teams that were supposed to go. One being the London Knights, one being the JPL, JPHL All Stars, and well, Hockey Canada comes in and says, "No, nope, you're not allowed those kids to go." This actually happened a few years back at in Phoenix, at the Cactus. I think it was a Cactus Cup or something like that. Okay, there were six teams. These kids were all in the HSL. They were all very young, and there was boot. There were boots on the ground, meaning that all the kids were there. They arrived in Phoenix. Hockey Canada called and said, "Nope." not happening but because they were already there and you had some ownership that cared they had to submit a pretty large financial sum to hockey usa and then they allowed them to play it sounds like a ransom 100 percent. it's about the kids though it's supposed to be i had Two parents that were literally driving to the airport when we sent the email out. Sorry, can't go. Driving to the airport. Can anybody help me with this? Because I'm, I'm still, I don't understand how as Hockey Canada and you sit there, Trev, can you bring up what the, there was a statement that was released the other day, um, this, this was part of the AJHL stuff. But the thing that at the bottom that really, I guess, raises my eyebrow, it's the fact that others are free to enjoy the game outside of Hockey Canada's unsanctioned programs. How that does would, go, that how would does, mean your three teams. That would mean our three teams. That would actually mean the five teams in the AJHL that want to go in the BCHL. You're saying it right here. Can I read the statement? Go ahead, please, and thank And this comes from Hockey Canada. This is from Hockey Canada. All right. I'll read the statement for those that are listening and uh, aren't watching on the YouTube channel. Statement says, while we feel strongly that our model for delivering hockey is to the benefit and safety of players, coaches, officials, parents, administrators, and volunteers, we recognize that others are free to enjoy the game outside of Hockey Canada-sanctioned programs. End quote. End quote. But they just gassed your tournament. Gassed your tournament for what reason? I don't know. Because you said we're free to enjoy the game outside of Hockey Canada sanctioned programs. So at what point were we free to enjoy that program? At what point did you decide that you want to pick up the phone, call Hockey USA and say, those guys aren't allowed to play? It's messed up, man. It gets better. Oh. Seven eight zero two one eight ninety nine ninety nine, and uh, you can get at us in the nasty chat. Uh, let's 
getting messy out there in uh, Hockey Canada's hockey. mission statement, Tom. It's to lead, develop, and promote positive hockey experiences. Go. <laughs> that, that was supposed to be a positive experience after they said that others are free to enjoy the game outside of Hockey Canada's sanctioned programs. Yeah. So it's for the kids, though, right? Supposed to be. Supposed to be. So at what point did we all lose sight of the fact that it's for the kids? So screwing 60 kids over for zero reason. Are there other, you mentioned the kids that went to Phoenix a couple years ago through the HSL. Do you know of any other similar situations like this with teams outside of I, I'm Alberta? sure. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Riley asks, how is London, which is a sanctioned team, play in an unsanctioned tournament, but an unsanctioned team can't play in an unsanctioned tournament? That's a great question. How is London involved in that? They're a major junior team. Well, because it's an independent tournament, London Knights have a, have a U15, I think, that's program the, as well. That's yeah. the team that was yeah. going, not yeah. the major junior yeah, team. Yeah, correct. The, okay, we have to clarify so, that. That's good. Because it's an independent tournament, you can have people from basically anywhere that choose to be a part of this tournament, they can come and they can play. So unsanctioned means that you have the opportunity to bring in everybody. Going so back to the statement. <clears throat> we recognize that others are free to enjoy the game outside of hockey, Canada sanctioned programs End quote, End quote. So what now, Belzy? Like what are your parents saying? What is, you know, your group saying, how do you explain it to the kids? What was, I'm well, sure well, there you, was some you, angry parents. Like, oh, man. What now? I, I think. How do you guys as an entity deal with this? You're clear. You're not in Detroit playing in this tournament, obviously, right now. You're doing the show. What now? That's a great question. And honestly, I don't know. Because I, I sit there and, and I want to I preface this all by saying, listen. I already said that I played in the entire program of excellence. Yes. I've donned the Canadian jersey six times. Won gold medals. It was medals. an honor to don the jersey. Yes. I've coached at the collegiate level. I've coached at the major, uh, not the major junior, but the junior A level. I'm now in the HSL. I was in the HSL. I was in the academy stream. I was in the JPHL. I'm not doing it. Because I'm like, hey, I want to pound my chest and be like, I'm the guy. I'm doing it because I want kids to have the same opportunities that I had. And so now we're sitting here and we're talking about how do we move forward? How do we allow kids to play? And honestly, I don't know. And the problem is, is that, well, it's going to get messier. Feels like it. The, the, ba the battle, the, the thread has been pulled and the battle is only in starting to ensue. And it's not like Alberta is the only, you know, province that has independent hockey. BC does as well. Yeah, we know that. Ontario does for okay. Stieg with Clever Group. Right. Good point. Quebec. We're, we're talking about the development, development of young hockey players here. And that's what the goal is, obviously. But essentially, in the last 35 minutes, let's call it, we've been talking about situations where these players were looking to further themselves, develop their game, be showcased, 
are being robbed of opportunity in the AJHL and then with your three teams here. So that doesn't sound like development to me. Doesn't sound like development to me either. Hockey registrations are down across the entire country. If right. I just look at Edmonton in particular, the entire northeast section of the city, you might as well pull that right out of there. My old club, by all accounts. Because that's where all the new Canadians are coming. Right. They're not Struggle. playing hockey yep. because hockey is way too expensive. So kids aren't playing. And we're trying to find ways to keep more kids in the game. And we consistently are now fighting against each other for what? I wish I could tell you I'm surprised. I wish I could too. The craziest thing that's ever happened, and like I said, it gets better because it's. You say that you, sarcastic. You, I reiterate, you say I say it as yeah. we can go down a lot of paths at this point, but at the end of the day, we're sitting here talking about how do we make our program or our, our, our sport better. And Hockey Canada is trying to figure out how to keep more kids in the game. Right. It's a business at the same time. And Hockey Canada is trying to figure out, and they've actually said, we want to promote positive experiences. And they've actually said that you're free to enjoy wherever you please. Correct. But yet they're not allowing any of that. Why do I need to mortgage my house to play hockey well the people that have done that and i know of stories where that is the case do it for the hope their child advances to the point where that turns into an investment that becomes fruitful for them because their kid goes and plays pro hockey and makes a bunch of money that's why they do that and that's a, that's a small percentage and a big risk and this is where the flamethrower comet comes out Hockey Canada was more interested in screwing over 60 kids going to a tournament in Detroit than worrying about some of the nonsense that's going on behind the scenes. And I'm not going to throw out those comments, but we all know what we're talking about. Uh, 780-218-9999. It's a mess. Hockey Canada is a mess. I know that they've tried to clean house, implement new leadership. But this is the stuff that's a problem. Denying uh, opportunities. So, I mean, you got firsthand account of it. Belzy was supposed to be in Detroit with his three teams. Independent program, independent tournament, non-sanctioned, whatever you want to call it. And uh, All their tournament fees were paid? Yeah. Flights were paid? Hotels paid? Two days before. Can't go. And then we've got five teams in the AJHL right now for the 23-24 season not being allowed to play, essentially. Yep. Because somebody's upset because they had their head in the sand. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. Now, but it's about the Alberta, kids. Alberta, and then we have the Hockey Canada element as well. 100%. 100%. 
Uh, you know, we, we saw a little bit of angry Sean Bell in the Winter Championship. Fired <laughs> up Sean Bell is a guy that I really like. And and listen, you see the passion. He wore the Maple Leaf six times. He was on the greatest world junior team of all time. So he's been through that program. He knows of what he speaks. And man, he was fired up. I would not want to get in his way. Uh, him and him and Steven Gertson, the probably the two guys uh, within the uh, the whole framework that I do not want to get in their way when they're they got ahead of steam. Well, ask our opponent last night in our bald Eagles game, and both of those guys were F one and F two fighting for the puck in the offensive zone. I was sitting there at the other end. I said, "Oh God, I'm glad I'm not a defenseman on the other team." Uh, but you know, Belzy had a big goal. Actually, they let him walk in, and he went far side shelf. Um, he's still got a lot of skill, and so does uh, Steven Gertzen, for that matter. Both guys that spent some time uh, in the NHL, and it's pretty cool to work for a company that has guys uh, with that pedigree, and some didn't play, but some worked at the national level or, or even higher at the international level, so uh, pretty cool to go on the ice with them and play some uh, what we would call meaningless hockey, which <laughs> in that case, it was a meaningless tournament uh, that the kids didn't get to attend, but uh, all in good fun, making fun of Belzy, but I'm glad that he went on there and presented the facts mm-hmm. the correct way and yeah he was a little animated and he had every right to be um, of course but i i think i think he did a wonderful job in presenting his side of the story and i'm sure he would be happy to talk to anybody that would wants to dispute what he had to say um is he's a very factual straight shooter mm-hmm. he doesn't waver from the truth if at all um and a lot of respect for sean for going on there and telling his side of the story Looking forward to watching his U18 team on Thursday night uh, in Morinville. They got the late game, 8.30, uh, at the Morinville Ice Gardens, HC Edmonton, as the JPHL has the last full showcase of the season. And it's weird. It's it, the last one in Edmonton until the playoffs. So if you want to see amazing action, uh, get out Thursday to Sunday, Silent Ice uh, Center, Hatch and Hesco Arena and the Morinville Ice Garden. So uh, Belzy will be there on Friday on Thursday night, pardon, pardon me, uh, for HC Edmonton. And and as I said earlier, I'm going to be on the Liam Pugh watch. He's out in Morinville a lot. That's where I'm stationed this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. But we'll have all the games on SilentIceTV.com. You can check the action out there or you can come watch it live and in person so i'll be parking my butt at morinville for the next four days uh still a bit of a holding pattern for you guys uh with the saints but i'm sure there'll be news coming at some point well well, there has to be i I mean you look at the players they need to play uh as simple as that and the powers that be are uh doing everything they can to get the guys back on the ice do we hear something Today, tomorrow, in a week, I wish I could present a more accurate timeline. I simply do not know at this point, but I'm sure as soon as there's some good news out there that we can share, it will be shared to get the fans back in the stand, get the sponsors uh, back on uh, on track with all our commitments to them, get the season ticket holders to come back out and watch some hockey, uh, and get the players back on the ice, and then start building for what is going to be the uh, final full season here hmm. in the Grant Fear Arena. Um, I would I would have a hard time thinking that the Saints will not play hockey this year. I feel like there will be some type of plan formulated to get the guys back on the ice. I don't know what it looks like yet or what league they'll be playing in for that matter, but hopefully we hear something soon because those guys, above all, deserve to play some hockey. Indeed. Uh, man, this is uh, so much fun doing the show with uh, somebody else where it's not just me rambling on. So I love <laughs> that you're on the show with us. We're going to have a lot of fun. We'll get into some roundtable. We're going to dive into the big stories in the game of hockey each and every week. And uh, 
to to wrap up the show, we got to go back to Liam Pugh. Uh, this show, this league, the JPHL, powered by Pugh. He'll be in Edmonton this weekend. So as we say goodbye, enjoy some uh, beautiful Liam Pugh action that you could see live in person. For Jason Greger, Sean Bell, and Tom Gazzola, uh, appreciate them allowing us to use their segments today. For Brandon Ewan Cheshin, president of Four Vengeance Media, I'm Dean Millard. Thank you so much for joining us here on Game Changers. We'll see you at the rink. Enjoy Mr. Pugh as we say goodbye.